1: Get on the grid.
2: It's fantasy sports today here on sports grid in hour number two of our show. We take a deep dive into stolen bases in baseball. And of course, as the fantasy football season gets closer to fruition, we dive a little bit deeper with our good friend, Davis Maddock of the Roto experts and get a little bit of a preview in the coming weeks. We'll do a lot more of that. Also a lot more of a betting preview as well. A huge night last night for baseball, and we have day baseball about to start in 10 minutes from now. And, Joe, certainly if we get the kind of offensive fireworks that we had yesterday, it's going to be a great day for DFS and a great day for a lot of people's fantasy leagues
3: as well. Yeah, I love me some offense. I mean, I'm sorry. I just do. I'm a fantasy guy. I like to see home runs, and it was just really good to see Juan Soto just start to get back on that tear. I mean, that's the one guy for me. I mean, everybody who watches Diamond Bets knows there's that graphic made of me. Uh, sipping the tea and uh, having people try to convince me that Juan Soto isn't the greatest thing ever. Uh, So it was just great to see him last night uh, continue to be Juan Soto. And I'm just excited to see what kind of career that guy's going to have. I know we're all caught up in Fernando Tatis this week. We've been all caught up in a lot of other players, Mike Trout and, and Judge. But for me, it begins and ends with my guy Juan Soto, Craig. Yeah,
2: and, if, uh, and, and look, Soto's very young, and that's really going to put him in terms of the long-term approach ahead of a lot of other guys uh, with the with the young start that he got. And by the way, uh, Juan Soto doesn't get a chance to play in the big leagues if Victor Robles is healthy. We may not even be talking about him right now. That's how wild that's, uh, that scenario went down. <laughs> Howie Kendrick, it, it required two players for him to get called right. up and being hurt. Okay, so uh, let's take a look real quick at our top stories. We've got Byron Buxton, who continues to tear the cover off the ball like the rest of the Minnesota Twins, the most dangerous lineup in baseball, no doubt. Miami, Ended up beating Toronto last night in a two-game set in uh, Buffalo, 14-11. Uh, to 11. They had an 8-0 lead. They let it squander because the Jays hit seven home runs, but it was not enough. They made some really big mistakes in the field, uh, the Jays. I'm not really sure what they were doing on, like, five different plays yesterday. Uh, Trout homers again, so good for him. Angels lose, unfortunately, and it's the same story with the Angels every year. Just not enough, and they have the best player in the game. Dylan Carlson could make his major league debut for the Cardinals, but the news is not good for them. It looks like they will not play Friday, according to a lot of different reports. They're hoping to play a doubleheader on Saturday, and if they don't, could be a different conversation we're having about them on Monday, that's for sure. Uh, Giannis only got a one-game suspension for his headbutt. Good news for him. He's back for the playoffs, no problem. And uh, Frank Reich said that Marlon Mack named him his starting running back to open up the season. Of course, they drafted Jonathan Taylor, moved up for Jonathan Taylor, And uh, Mac, you know, coming off a couple of really good seasons, missing a few games, but really looked good at running back and was a fantasy asset as well. Also, a couple of quick notes in the NFL, we have George Kittle signing a five-year contract extension worth $75 million. He's one of the top tight ends in the game. Phillies are calling up their top hitting prospect in Alex Baum. And certainly that's where we're off and running here on this Thursday, Joe. A lot of news and a lot of sports to get to.
3: And so it's a good thing for us. It is, and the Kittle extension makes a ton of sense, especially with the Debo Samuel injury, too. You look, you know, Kittle's going to be that guy. He's going to be leaned on heavily, so pay the man. And they did. It's a smart thing to do. Kittle is just such a fun guy too. He's just really good for the NFL. He's good PR. He's a big wrestling guy. He's always at every WWE event in the front row. Whenever they go to California, he is there. He cuts promos on the internet, on Instagram and stuff. The guy's just really entertaining. It just seems like an overall great dude. So happy for him, happy for the 49er fans out there and happy for fantasy purposes too, because he's going to be uh, heavily relied upon, especially early in the season for the 49ers. You know, I kind of want to target the thing at the top of this question here. Uh, which is Byron Bucks and breakout. And I just want to tell everybody last year, if you go back into the Byron Bucks and stats, they're actually pretty good. He significantly cut down on his strikeout rate last year. And I'm not one to extrapolate numbers because I always think that's a very dangerous game to play. But basically he's showing you profile wise at 25 years old last year in the major leagues to be a potential 20 and 25 kind of guy, 20 home runs, 25 steals. Now, if he can do that with an OPS in the mid eights or low eights, even, that is a really useful fantasy player and i feel like he's been around so long with so much disappointment craig that we forget that he is only 26 years old we forget that he had so much injury time spent and time in development missed not only in the major league level but at the minor league level too this guy was hurt a ton in the minor leagues and maybe we should all just exercise a little bit more patience because i'll tell you what if he continues to be as good this year as he's been the last couple of days and if he can build on last year he is going to still be underrated in 2021 dress because people still won't buy into it because of all of the questions that have gone on for so long with Buxton and frankly all the disappointment after very high expectations. So for me, I think this is a story of all the 2020s. Really, you know, a couple handful of players really monitor. 2020 is really important for Byron Buxton to build on what he did last year, because last year's numbers were pretty good. And if he continues to show that same pace this year, Craig. And I think 2021 might be the last year you get him at any kind of value whatsoever in fantasy.
2: And, uh, and Buxton's really off to a great start, no doubt. Uh, another player that's off to a great start is Bo Bichette, and maybe the Toronto Blue Jays team as a whole is getting ready to get off to great starts now that they've returned home to Buffalo, New York, which is where they're going to play their home games. They scored 11 runs and hit seven home runs yesterday. And Charlie Montoya was asked, is this the start of something big for their offense?
0: It's it's a, it's a it's that kind of ballpark. Like one day it could be a hitter's ballpark, the next day it could be a pitcher's ballpark. Like sometimes the wind blows in from right, and it's tough to hit them out. And today it was no wind, so it, for big league hitters, and if you don't make it pitches, the, the, the ball flies pretty good. Seems like it. Yeah,
2: it'll be interesting, Joe, to, uh, moving forward to see what happens with this Blue Jays team because if the wind is blowing out like it was yesterday. Forget about 25 runs. This is going to be Coors Field. That's how crazy it
3: looked yesterday. <laughs> well, I just want you to know, Craig, I put in a request that every time Hindran Ryu is on the mound, after I buy him low this weekend everywhere, uh, that the wind will only blow in the right direction for his start. So I just want you to know. You can feel confident in that going forward. All right. Well, I'll look forward to that, too. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, I I will look forward to all of their games there. And a lot more to come here on SportsGrid on Fantasy Sports today. So make sure you stay tuned.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
2: Welcome back. FST here on Sports Grid. Scott Farrell coming up a little bit later in the show, going coast to coast. Make sure you stay tuned to his show. And then, of course, in-game live, little Gabe Morency over on the television and radio side. Also, don't forget, you can now watch us on Sling 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you're a big Sling fan, you can find our New Sports Grid channel as well. We're going to get into some steals conversation and see how the top guys that we thought are doing this year in terms of getting the green light and getting some stolen bases. But before we do that, Joe, I know this weekend you and Matt Stryker have a new edition of Diamond Bets. What's on the docket for this weekend?
3: Oh, yeah, we got some great conversations. We're going to talk about the top dynasty guys right now. Uh, with the Welsh. We're going to preview, obviously, the week ahead. We're going to recap the week that was, and Justin Mason's going to drop by. We're going to talk about the disappointments and some of the pleasant surprises of the uh, 2020 season so far, which is a third of the way in the books already, if you can believe it. So check that out on Sunday, Matt Striker and me, Joey P, on Diamond Bets right here on SportsGrid.
2: All right, so check it out on Sunday. Now let's take a look at stolen base leaders in baseball in 2020. And, yes, we have some surprise names that have joined this list, and some that you'd probably know. Of course, Tommy Pham really started off hot. The first two weeks had four steals, and then has had one since. Austin Slater, out of nowhere for the San Francisco Giants, has five stolen bases. Fernando Tatis Jr. has five as well. Bo Bichette of the Blue Jays has done it all thus far. He has four. Andres Jimenez has been great. He has four steals. Uh, Adalberto Mondesi really right there to capture that stolen base title. If he can stay healthy, started off slow, but now is up to four. And we have seven other players who are tied with four stolen bases at the start of the season. So, Joe, among these, I suppose Slater is the big surprise, and I don't think that is sustainable. But as long as Jimenez is playing, All of a sudden, he becomes a guy that I think that we'll be targeting next year for that category.
3: Well, yeah, right now he's playing because Robinson Cano has been missing time and he's doing a really good job. And even before Cano got hurt, he was getting some of those little, you know, at bats on the off days kind of thing. And I was just really impressed with him. I mean, this was a guy, too, that had a very high minor league pedigree and uh, was profiling like he was going to be the shortstop of the future. Uh, Rosario got there first. And you know, I gotta be honest with you. I've watched enough Ahmed Rosario where I would love to see the Mets move on from him and give Jimenez a chance. And I know they got another shortstop in the pipeline, too, they're even more excited about. But Jimenez to me looks like a guy that really gets it. He's a real ball player. He's a guy that's gonna get dirty. He's a guy that really smooth defensively too, which is something Rosario is not. You've seen him be able to play shortstop and second base, which has been impressive. And so far, he's been making the most. He's a hustle player. He gets on base. He makes contact. He's not above a drag bunt once in a while. We even saw this past week. So there's a lot to like here for Jimenez. And I don't know how much he's going to play, but I guess with Cesped is gone, maybe when Cano comes back, he kind of slides into that full-time DH role, perhaps. I don't know if he's ready for that or if he wants to do that. But I think that Jimenez, as long as he continues to make good contact and steal some bases here— Is a guy that actually is going to have a little bit longer shelf life than people realize. And I got to tell you, I am very happy still to see Tommy Pham at the top of this list. I know it kind of started out like gangbusters, but uh, we talked about going into the season about guys who were very efficient and why Tommy Pham was such a good investment if you were drafting again in the week before the season started because not only does this guy have some power, but in terms of the stolen base, he doesn't get caught a lot. So you know when he does run, he's going to get the stolen base. He's not going to get thrown out. So that combination made him a really good return on investment. So it's great to see Tommy Pham doing that. And great to see Jimenez for you, who's a surprise list. I mean, I know you talk about Austin Slater, too. Why do you think it's so unsustainable for you?
2: Yeah, I just I don't think that he's the kind of guy that's going to get on base as much as he has close to 40 percent of the time. I think that that will slip. Maybe he's someone that has the green light that I did not know about. But from my recollection, Gabe Kapler was not a guy last year that encouraged players to steal. So he may have the green light now with San Francisco, but as time goes on, I don't think he will. So I think that that number comes back a little bit. Uh, the one number that is really staggering is to see Bo Bichette have four stolen bases. And all of last year, if you look at this here, in 2019 and 46 games, Bichette had four steals and he was caught four times. So there was nothing that would indicate that Bichette would be a 20-steal guy this year without getting caught, but that has been the case. And the other numbers are also off the charts. For all of the talk, Joe, that Fernando Tatis Jr. has gotten, and he should, there's probably a chance that Bo Bichette is going to be close to those same numbers and no one is talking about him nearly as much. A really impressive start for him. And then, of course, after the game last night, look at these numbers in the last seven games. 448,
3: four home runs, seven runs. All four stolen bases are in the last week. Now, heading into this year, Craig, he wasn't even the most talked-about prospect guy on his team. <laughs> Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was still getting all the attention, not really Bichette. And, and I gotta say, like you know, I, I saw Bichette play last year, and I was impressed. And you know, I still think there are some holes there, but he's clearly closing them up right now. And if he's gonna be in a, in a hitter-friendly environment for half of his games here for 2020 in Buffalo. When that wind is blowing out, that's going to be a good thing for Bo Bichette. There's no doubt about that. The guy's locked in right now. He is seeing the baseball. It looks like a giant volleyball to this guy right now. And uh, it's funny. If I had to ask you right now in a fantasy league, who would you rather have going forward? Bo Bichette, Vlad Guerrero Jr., or Kevin Biggio? Those three big-time prospects here that have broke through last year, who is the most tantalizing for you to have going forward in fantasy?
2: And because of the steals, it's Beshed, and that's the reason why. But I, I Vlad Jr. is going to hit a lot of home runs at the big league level, but he cannot field at all. And that and mm-hmm. and you know, and, and that's fine, and Jordan Alvarez doesn't can't field either. And Edgar Martinez didn't play an ounce of first base for the last seven years of his career, too. But that's who Vlad is, and it's kind of sad because you look at videos of him three years ago and then video of him now. And he's just put on a lot of weight. I don't care yes. what they're saying. Um, he can't play first. He made two errors last night. He's uh he's faster than he looks, I'll give him that. But he just he they did not have him on a great program, in my opinion. And and while in fantasy he'll qualify at third this year, he's only going to qualify at first next year. And my guess is he's a, a full-time designated hitter, and there's nothing wrong with that. And that may actually lead him to be a lot better than Vigio. It's certainly possible. But if if you're just factoring in in steals, no question that Bichette is the guy. But I also wouldn't give up completely on Guerrero. It's just I don't think that he's going to be as good as everyone thought, and and that's sad only because it's uh, it's a
3: physical thing. It's it's nothing else other than that, right? That's controllable. Okay. You can control your workouts. You can control your eating. You can't control your you can. habits. Maybe like, you I don't, I don't, think the to look like I don't know. Like he doesn't have to. thing. some guys like can't either. control themselves
2: and with right. physically and 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 look, I mean Prince Fielder or uh, Prince Fielder and his dad both played at like that, mm-hmm. but but not that young, I don't think. I, I don't know. It just I'm I'm really di- I was very disappointed yeah. to see the way that he looked going into the season and then watching his defense last night. I mean the entire Blue Jays defense was awful. But watching him play, he's, he's not a first baseman either. I and mean, it's probably not fair to him because he didn't have a full amount of time to get ready to play first. Mm-hmm. My guess is next year he's a DH, and that's it. And that, that's fine. Look, Alvarez, again... can't stand on two feet for more than 10 minutes without being hurt on his ankles. And and that happened already in the minor leagues as he's getting ready to come back. So being a full-time DH, fine, no problem. And maybe that will help his offense. He won't have to worry about uh, first base. Now, in terms of closing this out, where are my stolen bases that I drafted at the beginning of the season? Well, Malik Smith planned on having seven or eight by now. That's for sure. Um, Ronald Acuna Jr. You got one, you're not getting any this weekend. And then a bunch of zeros, Trey Turner, Zip. Victor Robles, who had 28 last year. Zip. Christian Yelich, who is a 30 stolen base guy. Zip. And so, I don't know. Are you lucky to get 10 out of any of these guys? I guess Malik Smith is the one that you would think can turn it on, but this dude's batting a buck 50. So, in general, if you, <laughs> if you took these guys expecting 20 steals or 15, I think 10 is probably the more realistic number at this point.
3: You can't steal first, Craig. You gotta get on if you're gonna steal. Can't hit 150. That's not gonna work. And now I I am so sick to death every year of having to be the voice of reason about Trey Turner. Like, when are we gonna figure this out? He is a nice player. I get it. But to, to put him in the beginning of a first round, like some people want to draft him, is just nuts to me just because of that potential of stolen bases. And I'm sure he's going to steal more bases going through the rest of the season. Robles is the one that's most disappointing to me personally, because this was a guy going a little later that I thought would bring back some good stolen base potential. So that one's frustrating. And you have to imagine a healthy Acuna and Yelich starting to hit that would change the stolen bases for those two guys, but definitely the guy so far in the Nationals. That's got to be the story in terms of goose eggs. Goose eggs a third of the way into the season, no stolen bases from those two guys. It's absolutely brutal.
2: Yeah, but I actually disagree. I mean, Acuna and Yelich were taken way ahead of uh, Turner and Robles, and neither and neither of these guys are going to steal ten bases, and that's why you talk about they're going to hit
3: thirty home runs. (laughs) I'm saying you take them because Acuna and Yelich are
2: going to hit thirty really
3: is um, well, not playing this year. Yelich. Like, <laughs> now
2: they're not gonna hit ten. You
3: can't tell me that Ronald Acuna and Christian Yelich are not better players than Trey Turner. Let's not have that conversation.
2: You you draft a guy in the top five because they steal bases. If not, you took Nelson Cruz with the second pick. Yeah. That's why you take them for steals. They're not stealing. We'll be right back. Don't go away
3: all right welcome back everybody fantasy sports today right here on sports grid and our next guest you know from the daily roto hour right here on sports grid you also know him is spending quality time with me yours truly every sunday at the meadowlands talking football on your pregame on roto experts in the morning he's mr roto expert he's mr take cast he's davis maddock davis welcome back my friend it's good to chat with you again
1: yeah great uh, great to chat with you as well very excited to uh you know get back get back to the pigskin
3: Yes, please, for the love of God, please, can we get some football, you and me both, brother. And we are in the peak of draft season. Davis and I are going to talk about a wide receiver today. Now, last year, uh, you know, my approach was I was looking for the guys that could basically all jump one level of wide receiver. So I was drafting Chris Godwin everywhere because I thought he could jump from a two to a one and likewise and so on and so forth. And this year for me, that guy has been Calvin Ridley that I think can really take that next step, maybe finish right outside the top 10 overall. I think all that potential is there. Is there a guy for you that you think can jump from a wide receiver to, up to one, or maybe a guy who is currently being drafted as a two, like a Juju or an AJ Green or somebody else off the reservation can get back into that number one status.
1: So I think it is Juju Smith Schuster who took a year off from being elite when his quarterbacks were Mason Rudolph and Devlin <laughs> Hodges. You know, we got, we saw about, we saw about five quarters from Ben Roethlisberger. Juju played injured while he was healthy. And I do think we did see, you know, some evidence that the team does maybe not view him quite as highly as they viewed Antonio Brown, you know, as much as they valued guys like Heinz Ward, they, they probably think that he is a tier below that, but. You know, he likely is going to be 140 to 150 targets again this year, had historical efficiency as a 20 and 21 year old in the NFL. So Smith Schuster is really the guy that I think can go from back end of the third round to back end of the first round this year. Yeah,
3: and and it's funny because that was last year, right? He was right there at the back end of the first, right around the turn. That's where he was going. And and nothing's changed except he's, now he's got Roethlisberger back. And that's that's the thing I kind of want to shake people and say, hey. Hey, don't you remember? It was only a year ago. Why are we freaking out? I, I mean, I'm seeing him go in the fourth round in some drafts. It's crazy to me, and I'm happy to get him there. And I'm glad to hear you are too, because whenever you and I are both on the same page about stuff, it usually works out pretty well. Uh, let's talk about uh, two other guys. Also, we already mentioned one of them is Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Now, now they got Tom Brady in house, and you know, I, I don't know how their value can possibly get any better than it was last year. So, I'll pose you this question. Can either of their values get worse with Tom Brady in 2020?
1: So I actually think that Mike Evans' value can get worse, because if you just Mm -hmm. look at how Tom Brady has been successful over the last four years, you know, really you go back to the last time he was successful with a a downfield wide receiver, you know, it, it really was not in recent memory, and I think that Mike Evans and Jameis Winston were Just such good stylistic fits. Basically, you know, I just thought that they were so fantastic in terms of, you know, just getting in that that Zen zone with one another. And Godwin, I actually think, is much more likely to be the target hog in the Tampa Bay offense. You know, just loads of quick passes. And Evans actually is going to be the one who kind of sees his value suffer a little bit.
3: Yeah, uh, I'm with you, too. Godwin's the one I favor. I do not put them right neck and neck. And I know a lot of people do. Uh, I, just because they finished that way last year, this is 2020 folks like do not make that same mistake. And because it's 2020, we have to ask this question too. What's Odell Beckham jr. Got left in the tank. Do you still see him as a wide receiver one that you're comfortable with? Because you know, if you look at all the takes on there on the internet and all the research, it is a vast difference of one person, one analyst to another analyst of where they would take or would not take Odell Beckham. So what's your take Mattis? Uh- <laughs> so. So the
1: really interesting thing when you go to look at guys like Odell Beckham historically— you see loads of guys who were elite for three, four, five seasons, and then when the lower body injuries start to add up, it really zaps them of that elite athleticism going forward. And I, I gotta admit, I am actually worried that we are in that territory with Odell Beckham. That you know he's had the hip surgery, he's had the, he's had you know both of his knees. He's has had to miss multiple weeks with, uh, with those knee injuries. So I actually am officially on the. You know, Odell Beckham is probably fine at his average draft position, but I am officially worried about
3: his, you know, kind of elite ability still being there. Well, and and if you look at where he's going in terms of of that, I mean, there's there's other names that are, I think, far more interesting. And I think that that's kind of where I struggle with it. It's, you know, everything you said is true in the lower body injuries and all those things that are going on. But, you know, if if you look at, you know, some other guys like Juju Smith Schuster, we were just talking about going basically in the same ADP. Personally, I feel more comfortable with Juju. Do you kind of feel the same way? Like you'd rather pivot that way to him over Odell?
1: Oh, I would, I would much rather have Juju because to me... I actually don't think that if Juju's healthy, he has any competition. I think that, you know, uh, Deontay Johnson, James Washington, Eric Ebron, those guys are all complimentary wide receivers. Whereas Jarvis Landry is going to get 130 targets as long as he's healthy. Like that's just going to happen. And, you know, I I just think there's more competition for targets for Beckham
3: than there is for Smith-Schuster. You just mentioned one of my favorite guys I've been taken everywhere late, which is Deontay Johnson. There's got to be another guy in this offense. And I feel like I've seen enough James Washington now. And and I actually thought Deontay Johnson's numbers were pretty good considering how bad the quarterback play was at times. Do you think Deontay Johnson is that other guy? Because, I mean, two years ago, Roethlisberger ran around 5,000 yards. I don't need him to throw for 5,000 to get another 1,000-yard receiver in this offense. Somebody else can step up and do that. To me, he's that prototypical guy. Do you also think it is? Or is there somebody else on the Steelers you think steps into that role?
1: So... I actually kind of like James Washington more than Johnson. You know, I like those style of wide receivers a little bit mm-hmm. better. Johnson's not a, you know, a crazy good athlete or anything mm-hmm. like that. Washington led the team in air yards last year. So I, I actually kind of am not taking Johnson a ton and more taking Washington in like, you know, the 18th,
3: 19th round. Yeah. All right. See, there you go. This is why there's are good conversations for everybody out there because everyone's got good opinions and it's good to hear them all. Uh, let's move on to uh, some other guys here too. What do you do with Will Fuller? Because, you know, you look at the Texans and Watson's got to throw the ball to somebody once again. Uh, And you look at the talent or maybe lack thereof sometimes on this Texans roster, and it makes you scratch your head. And we all know what a train wreck it is when you have Will Fuller. It's one thing to have him in DFS one week, one game, whatever. It's another thing to own him in season long. Do you just stay away from the Texans altogether or do you try to throw a dart on him or somebody else in this offense?
1: So I I think you go Fuller, right? I, I think that you, because Will Fuller now with DeAndre Hopkins gone, like, if we get 16 healthy games of Will Fuller. I mean, that's a guy who can who can, you know, win your league like straight up. He can he can score 12 touchdowns. He can catch 80 passes and gain 1400 yards on those passes just due to the way he plays. And, you know, how copacetic he is with Deshaun Watson. And I think Fuller is better than Brandon Cooks, just like straight up. I think he's a better player at uh, at this point of their career. So I, I am still finding myself heavily invested in Will Fuller.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think it's worth a shot, especially the ADP. Like, what do you have to lose? Like, if, even if you only get six good games, just hope that those six good games. That he's in your lineup. <laughs> That's all you could possibly hope for. Uh, I got to ask you, how are you approaching the wide receiver rookie class this year? The Judys, the C.D. Lambs, Ruggs, Rhaegar. Is there one in particular you find you're getting a lot more shares of as your drafts are going on? Or one in particular you're staying away from? So w- what's the approach for Davis here when you're looking at the rookie class in 2020?
1: Yeah, my guy, LaVisca Chenault, uh, who I, ah. I think pretty much... I think pretty much week one, we are going to see Chenault just be the starting wide receiver, too, for Jacksonville. And also, Chenault in college was used as, you know, a goal line runner, right? A Wildcat quarterback. And Leonard Fournette was the worst goal line runner in the NFL last year. I, I think that it is possible that we are going to get a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of goal line Chenault action this year, basically.
3: oh, look at you, a little goal line Chenault. Well done there. Uh, What about the other class? What what about the rest of the guys in this class, though? I mean, is CeeDee Lamb worth taking in redraft? Is Jerry Judy worth taking in redraft? Are there too many questions about what their roles are in their respective offenses?
1: Oh, I definitely think that you can take uh, Jalen Rager. I definitely think that you can take CeeDee Lamb. Um, I definitely think that you can take Henry Ruggs. I'm not crazy about Judy. Denver just historically has been, uh, under this coaching staff, under John Elway, they have not played rookies very much other than at running back, really. But Rager, I think that if he is good, like if Reger shows up to training camp and is what the Eagles coaching staff expects him to be, I would imagine that he is going to be starting at a boundary wide receiver from day one for them. I really like taking Jalen Rager together with Carson Wentz in, uh, you know, all these baseball leagues and the underdog basketball championship and everything. And then Ruggs, I mean, Ruggs just might be the best player on Oakland from day one. And they might mm. be I, so like and, and you know, where you take Rugs, it's like. Rugs or Sterling Shepard. Like, Sterling Shepard's not going to win you your league, right? Right. But Rugs, Rugs actually could. You know, Rugs over the second half of the season could get like nine targets a game or something crazy. So I, I like Rugs as well.
3: Yeah, uh, good points there on all that. All right, real quick, one minute left. AJ Green. I've been taking him a lot of spots because he's falling. And frankly, if you're going to give him to me on the cheap, I'm going to take a shot and see what happens. Are you doing the same or are you a hard pass on AJ Green?
1: A uh, hard pass. I just, uh, so my my some of my rules in fantasy football don't take guys who are already hurt. Don't take guys who are over uh, the age of 30 unless they are, you know, historically great players. And I just, you know, I'm just not seeing a ton of reasons to be in on uh, to be in on him. This He's year.
3: not historically great enough for you. You don't like him enough. He So
1: he is. So that's actually a great point. You know, kind of yeah. like Fitzgerald. He is. However, he hasn't played football in 24 months. So <laughs> I, I, I just if someone else wants to pay that sticker price, that's
3: they fair. can. That's fair. Hey, those are all good points. I mean, just so you know, I'm I'm over 30 now. And, uh, and and I'm always hurt. So <laughs> but but yet every Sunday you would take me and we would go on this journey every Sunday talking football. And uh, again, Davis is one of the best fantasy minds out there. He's a great follow on Twitter. Also, uh, go follow him at Davis Matic and go check out the take cast as well. It's a great show. And of course, right here on this network, you get to watch him on Daily Roto. Uh, talking all things fantasy every Saturday, and you can always catch it on demand as well. Davis, I want you to have a great season, man, and hopefully you and I on Sundays will get the band back together and get everybody ready to set their lineups. What do you say, baby? You in for season two with me or what?
1: Oh, beautiful. Let's uh, let's get it done.
3: There you go. There you have it. Again, go follow him on Twitter, at DavisMatic. And go check out uh, the uh, the Daily Roto Show. It's great stuff there, obviously. And uh, Davis at Roto Experts does tremendous work. Go to rotoexperts.com. If you want to win your fantasy football league, get all the Chenault shares you possibly can, because Davis said so. We're going to hit a break. When we come back. More fantasy sports today, right here on Sports Grid. We'll be right back right after this
0: Welcome
2: back. It's Fantasy Sports today with you here on Sports Grid. We got you until 2 o'clock on the East. And of course, that is 11 on the West. Wherever you're watching or listening throughout the country, we got you all day long right here on Sports Grid. Make sure you keep it locked to sportsgrid.com. Coming up a little bit later in our programming, you want to catch Scott Farrell. He's going coast to coast later, and he gives you the best odds and the best opportunity to win in game live. Also, updating all of the games as well. And hopefully, For us, it'll be a fun week of the NBA starting next week. And, of course, we're going to have a playing game coming up on Sunday. But I would never think, Joe, in the history of the NBA, that somebody could potentially touch the things that Wilt Chamberlain has done previously. Maybe I should have uh, made an investment on some Dame Lillard cards because this guy is just on fire. Mm -hmm. And that's where we're going to start off with fantasy or reality today. Uh, Last game, Dame Lillard became the first player, other than Wilt, to have at least three 60-point games in a single season. And since the NBA restart, Lillard has 45 or more in three games. The Blazers will take on Brooklyn tonight. It's a big game. They have the eighth seed. They got to keep it. And they only need to win one in a best-of-three series. And so the question is, will Lillard put them on their back again and score 50, or will he have less? Fantasy or reality, Joe? We'll start off with you.
3: Dan, this is this is crazy because, you know, you, you look at the numbers, you go, OK, at some point, things has got to come back down to earth. But you know what? Maybe it doesn't. Uh, and you're talking about stuff like Wilt Chamberlain and names like that. I think we're in this era of the NBA where it's a scorer's league and a lot of defense isn't played. And, you know, you're just going to let guys shoot. And Lillard's just I mean, just got to incredible, especially since it's coming back too. the the thinking have the layoff and come back and be as good as USU is just staggering to me. I'm going to say reality because, you know, every time I I think it's fantasy that he's going to have an off night, it doesn't seem possible. So maybe he's just locked in on this in this kind of zone right now. And we've heard basketball players talk about that. They just get locked in sometimes. And I don't know if anybody's locked in as this dude is right now. So let's say reality. Let's have some fun. It's Thursday night. Hey, why not, Craig? So uh, I know it's like the, uh, (laughs) the most statistically backed opinion possible here. I just want to have some fun and say yes. How about you? What do you want to say?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say fantasy, but I, I think it's within the realm of possibility. What, what he does is he goes on these streaks where he does this at times. And uh, and really, nobody has been like this since Kobe Bryant in terms of this mm. kind of scoring and consistently scoring 50 or 60 points in a game. So I certainly think it could happen. Um, by the way, uh, Lillard's uh, rookie card, graded PSA 10, uh, when we started this uh, this pandemic about two months ago, was about $2,000. It's now eight thousand dollars so only a six thousand dollar profit on one card that you could have made off uh, Lillard I guess I missed that one not one that I got I, involved I, in,
3: so. I could tell I could feel like in the interim when I was talking I could feel the typing in my soul of you checking how much that card was worth I, just I did like, I did I know you did I knew you I, I know did. you so well now it was like I wonder you know because you mentioned it at the top you mentioned like boy you know if you had some of his cards oh wait uh, I wonder perhaps I, I felt like, bad about like that one yeah, well, I guess the yeah. ship has sailed already here for you.
2: <laughs> it did, but 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 the LeBron purchases did very very well. I will say I will say that I still have the LeBrons. <laughs> I'm not sure what to do with them, but I still have them at this point. Great right, lunch, of them.
3: everybody. You hear that, Brett? Chris, you hear that? Uh, off the LeBron. You gotta game. be in it right, to win it. All to lunch.
2: Gotta be in it to win it. Okay, uh, question to fantasy or reality? We got the Cubs uh, on this epic run here. We haven't seen them do anything like this in about three years. And they beat up on the Indians last night. They've looked really good. They'll take on the Brewers. The Brewers are falling apart, clearly. 7:15 Eastern. They're 12-3. And three. And, uh, and really, it's just been all of them at different points. Of course, Lester has been the big story for them, how well he is pitching. But sometimes it's been Brian. Another night, it's Rizzo. Another night, it's Baez. Another a night, it's Schwarber. Nico Horner. Ian Happ. Uh, good team. But fantasy reality, they got another title run in them. And it is this year. Fantasy or reality, Joe?
3: Mm, title run or title. That is the question. One uh, last title run in them. That's yeah, the question. I, we're I think they're do. capable of making a run at it. And this is definitely gonna be their last one, I think as well. But uh, I will say this, you know, you mentioned Lester and I know uh, we're going to dive into him more on diamond bets. A lot of the deeper stats telling you that this is smoking and mirrors and this is not going to last. Uh, you see where the velocity is. You see how guys are hitting him in terms of contact. It's only a matter of time before those stats come crashing down and start regressing. Uh, Kyle Hendricks has been good. No doubt about that. Darvish has been good. We know Chatwood up and down. Alec Mills has been good in the starts that he's been given too. So really for the Cubs it's about getting that bullpen right right now, because, you know, we all know what Baez and Brian Rizzo are, and they're all phenomenal talent. So if you can get the bullpen right and that squared away, finally, then considering that Cincinnati has been a little up and down, considering that Milwaukee out of the gate, Yelich hasn't been Yelich. And those pitchers are kind of slow on the uptake with the obsession of Woodruff, obviously. Yeah, I think the Cubs really do have an opportunity to win this division. And, and of course, what's going on with the Cardinals? You have to kind of start to look at the Cubs and think realistically, they really have a good shot to win this division. Now, winning a title, uh, that's another story. I don't think they can compete with the Dodgers. I don't even know if they can compete with the Nationals, but I think they've got one more good run in them with this group. And I think this is the year for Craig. What do you think about the Cubs chances in 2020?
2: Yeah, a couple of things. It's a fantasy to have a title run left. But, of course, you know, we got to, look, Brett Levy, our producer, he could probably coach an NBA team. Working on the fantasy reality questions, it's a work in progress. The other day we had the game in the NBA where he had the big favorite and it was just whether they would win or lose. And then Brett, of course, thinks he's a big shot and texts me during the game and says, see, I told you. And then, of course, they did lose. And then I don't hear anything from him after the game. And, you know, that's fine. It's understandable. He's learning on the fly here. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're letting them take the reins of the show more here. Man, they do I, not I,
3: thought, I thought Ellen was a tough place to work, I heard. But apparently, I mean, uh, come on. I mean, day, really, tougher.
2: Really, Brett. I mean, look, fantasy reality. The It's fantasy. The Cubs do not have a title run left. Do they have a division title? Perhaps a pennant. Perhaps they're not going to win the World Series. So, no, they do not have a last title run left in them. They've had a great month. They are not going to win the World Series this year. So the answer is fantasy. Okay, speaking of the NBA, let's close out with this. The NBA has decided that they are going to give out the Seeding Game Awards. Are you kidding me? The Seeding Game Awards are being given out next week by the NBA. Some awards, best player, most improved player. And and as a matter of fact, I think they're also giving out awards for the best game since the start-up in the seeding. Now, look, I understand that it's kind of been two seasons for the NBA, but it is the regular season and the postseason, and this did kind of feel like, to be honest with you, more of an exhibition than anything else, especially this week has been an absolute joke in the NBA. It was worth watching up until this point, but um, you know, this week a lot of guys have been sitting. So I feel like it's an easy one for me, but maybe not for you, Joe, because I know you love awards. NBA, fantasy, <laughs> reality, giving out seeding game awards is ridiculous, fantasy or reality.
3: Uh, the award for best second quarter for a small forward in a day game goes to, I mean, it is uh, like, I, I understand they're just trying to to get content. I think that's what this is about. It's about them trying to just continue to have some more relevant content out there and, and building hype for the playoffs. I imagine that's what this is about. So it's dumb. Uh, so is it ridiculous? Reality. It is completely, <laughs> utterly ridiculous. When I saw this this morning, I said to myself, they're doing this. This is a real thing. And I had to go find out about it. And it's just, it's absurd. It's absurd. It's ridiculous. It's the silliest thing I ever heard. And of course, for all those people who hate participation trophies and all those other nonsense awards that get given out for, for no reason at all, this is why, because we keep doing stupid things like this and we keep giving everybody ammunition against us. Uh, <laughs> this is so silly, Craig. What? what I mean, I know it's a foregone conclusion. I know you yeah, have to bring it up. So tell me yeah. why it's so ridiculous. Yeah it, it, it is
2: real it is reality because again uh, you know you you have teams like Washington who like basically lost Bradley Beal and a couple of their players and and basically just played this thing out for nothing you had teams that didn't even play right in in the restart here and you and you're not even giving out awards to the whole NBA it's just to the teams that were actually staying in Orlando they should just call it the bubble awards or the Disney World awards it makes no sense at all and, and and I have a hard time. I'm going to have a hard time giving out Major League Baseball awards this year. And they're playing 60 games. We were talking about playing a dozen games in the NBA or less. And you're giving out awards for that. Like, just save it for the end. And are there real trophies for this? Like, is somebody going to get Joe like a Mickey Mouse trophy at, at the end of this with like, congratulations, oh, you ooh, you, you had a really good
3: game? I didn't even think about that. Will they be themed like in the Orlando area? Will they be like Disney themed? Uh Ah, I mean, you know what? Maybe we should do that. Maybe we should have an award show on fantasy sports today for the NBA, but we'll do like a Disney themed version, like who's Hercules, you know, maybe Damian Lillard's Hercules. He gets the Hercules award for carrying a team on his back or, or, you know, I mean, the, the, the possibilities are endless. Who's ice cold? Who gets the Elsa frozen award? I don't know. But you're gonna have to tune into FST to find out next week. I, this this smells like a segment to me, Craig. I don't yeah, know about you.
2: I mean, best update award goes to Chris. Best graphic goes to Danny. Uh, you know, best technical support goes no, I to want Joe Renery. For the
3: NBA, that's I. I want to go. We'll do full Disney princesses. We'll do Ariel. We'll do uh. We'll, you know, we'll do what do we Beauty. get? To Brett Levy though. What award does Brett get? Uh, well, uh, oh look. Well, uh, 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 Brett, Brett deserves an award just for for making sure that there's uh, stuff for us to talk about here in this. Yeah, segment. You I was
2: that was dangerous there. You couldn't come up with anything, I, but yeah,
3: I, I, we'll, no, we'll, we'll, I'm just Brett, just, Brett, Brett know, will I, get
2: the best fantasy or reality award for for 2020. There you go, there you go. But
3: but so think, think about to. it. This, this is this is endless here. There's so many options for us. We could we could do Sleeping Beauty. Who doesn't play enough minutes? Uh, we could you know continue on and on with these awards. And you know we probably need some help from Brett, but. I think if we threw them out there, I don't know if we have the rights to this. I don't know if we could show uh, pictures of Disney princesses here on Fantasy Sports today. I know it's probably very popular with a lot of people who watch the show. But I would love if these NBA awards are themed. That's the only saving grace. And I'll say this much, and I'll put myself on a limb here right here on Grid. If indeed they are Disney-themed awards in the bubble, then i change my whole tune. Then it's absolutely fantasy. That's not ridiculous. It's awesome. All
2: right. So there you go. The award show that we'll do next week will be based on that. Fine. <laughs> uh, a, couple of quick, a couple of quick notes uh, from Major League Baseball. Sean Doolittle goes on the injured list, and Doolittle's really struggled and struggled to stay healthy. And, and I think it's just a lot of wear and tear in his arm. And so, Joe, uh, moving forward, Daniel Hudson, who has already more or less been their closer, is going to be their closer and, and turns out probably to be a really good fantasy pick this year. Um, because he's going to take over, I think, full-time. Uh, Jeff McNeil of the New York Mets, with their game underway already right now, ran into the left field wall and had to be carted off the field. So obviously we'll have an update later today and tomorrow on that as well. That's the two big uh, pieces of news wanted to bring today.
3: Yeah, uh, not surprising on the one end there, too. And uh, hopefully those of you who have Hudson in your league, fire him up into your lineup if he wasn't in there already. Uh, But this McNeil one for a Mets fan, this is heartbreaking here because McNeil just plays the game so hard. He's everything you want out of a baseball player. He picks up the glove and plays whatever position you tell him to. He goes out there and he hits the ball. He runs hard. He gets dirty. He slides everywhere. He does everything you want out of a baseball player, including running into walls and making big plays. And this just stinks. Like as a Mets fan, this is like you feel like you just can't have anything nice. You know, we can't have Noah Syndergaard. Yeah, Marcus Stroman decides he's not going to play in the season. Now we get this injury. I mean, it's just one thing after the other. Yo, Ioannis is not something that upset me as a Mets fan, but I could tell you right now for Brett and Chris and myself, it's going to be a long, introspective weekend as Mets fans. Just wondering again, this is another lost season, but I guess it's less torture because it's only 60 games we have to kind of brood about than 162. But ugh, this is just depressing. I'm depressed.
2: Sometimes better to not have hope at all, I guess, and that is the story of the 2020 <laughs> Mets thus far. Okay, coming up next is time for the Sports Grid 60, and then we got to get out of here. Uh, Joe and I will be back tomorrow here on the show. I've had a lot of really good uh, guests talking fantasy football with us this week. In case you missed it, of course you can go back and see some on on demand. But I think that tomorrow we'll bring them back uh, for another segment. Jen Ryan. Uh, we'll 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 be on the show Andrew Erickson who's on the show earlier this week. We'll kind of kick in a little bit more football on the Friday edition of the show. So that will be tomorrow, and then Joe and I will be back on Monday for another edition of FST. Also NASCAR preview tomorrow. Gray Albright from Radball as well. We'll be back after this. As we get ready to wrap it up here on this Thursday, don't forget Joe and I'll be back here tomorrow on our Friday edition of fantasy sports today, a NASCAR preview for the weekend, as well as the latest tidbits in fantasy baseball from gray Albright. Also some fantasy football conversation, Jen Ryan, Andrew Erickson. We had them on the show earlier this week. In case you missed those conversations, you can catch them again tomorrow. And of course, uh, Joe, you have your fantasy black book up and running for the 2020 fantasy football season and a special promo for anybody who gets started this week. Correct.
3: That's right. This week, if you go to Amazon, you get the fantasy black book. You can help out every uh, book we sell. A dollar goes to St. Jude's Children's Hospital to help the kids. So win your league, help the kids. Everybody wins. Go to Amazon, go look for the fantasy black book and get your season prep on because we're getting closer and closer here, folks. All right, Joe, take it away with your Sports Grid 60. All right. So I want to talk about the Cardinals. No, not the St. Louis Cardinals. The Arizona football team, that's right, the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray went out and uh, had himself a little quote today. He said he thinks he can get DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, and Christian Kirk each thousand yard seasons. And I'm excited for this news. Uh, Look, can the Cardinals compete with the 49ers and the Seahawks? Probably not. But in terms of fantasy, this is a team that's gonna run a ton of plays. This is a team that has now got a real running back, in my opinion, and a first-class wide receiver in his prime in DeAndre Hopkins. And I think the Cardinals are going to be a tricky team for a lot of NFL teams to play this year. And one of the better fantasy options as well.
2: All right. I'll end the show with shark week. This is, this is probably somewhere along the lines of something that I don't get. I don't understand. I need somebody to explain to me what is so great about shark week. Everyone loves it. Everyone enjoys it. And for some reason I am like missing out on all the action. I tune in, I watch five, 10 minutes And I don't get it. I don't understand it. So somebody please hit me up on social media, on Twitter. Tell me what I am missing and sell me on why I should be watching Shark Week every single year. My social media handle, by the way, on Twitter is, of course, uh, Craig Mish, at Craig Mish. Thank you to Brett, of course, for producing our program today. Danny on the graphics, of course, Chris on the updates. Thank you to Joe Ranieri as well. For Joe Pizzapia, I'm Craig Mish. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay on the grid. Have a great one, everybody.